Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real. You're already working hard to earn your money. But how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment automated investment and savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert built portfolios of low cost exchange traded funds. You know, I love those exchange traded funds. There's automated investing technology. And as part of that automated rebalancing, many of you have been asking about rebalancing and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It's Sunday, May 21st, and today we are airing the second part of the interview that Major Garrett, he is the CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent, conducted with me on his show. His show is called The Takeout, and it's really fun because it takes place in a diner or in a restaurant, and he's usually a D.C.-based guy, but he was up in New York, and so this interview has all sorts of background noise because we're in Junior's, which is a fun retro diner in Midtown Manhattan. In yesterday's interview, we talked about the economy and the Federal Reserve. In this part of the interview, we're talking a little bit about uh, the post-pandemic work-life balance that uh, many people are struggling to maintain, and I think that um, Major and I have a little wistful um, late 50s, early 60s kind of like, oh, in the old days when we were all hanging out together in the newsroom. Well, you'll hear. Anyway, here's part two of my interview with Major Garrett. So in this book, The Great Money Reset, you talk about people who came to you with various questions. Are there any of those questions that sort of got you where you live? Like, whoa, there's actual curiosity, but there's a little bit of pain out there and... Am I really the right person to try to deal with all of that? Did you oh, ever well, feel I'm that? Well, I'm such a flawed human being. I'm happy to deal with other people's pain. You know, okay. I've had a lot of resets in my life, so actually okay. it was interesting to get that. Um, I think that, first of all, when someone calls me and says, I need help with my money, I do have the advantage of being a subject matter expert mm -hmm. in that I did this for 14 years for a living. I was a certified financial planner, investment advisor, and I did that. You so, worked on Wall Street too, right? Yeah, way back when, 100 years ago, mm -hmm. when Wall Street was still fun. Um, <laughs> but, you know, in, in talking to people, what I think I, I have learned, especially since I have been at CBS and talking to a lot of people is that everybody does have a story. Mm -hmm. And the con I think that sometimes when you're an investment advisor, you can sort of be like a little didactic. Like, that's the way to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like there's a black, there's a white. This is a math question. But in most people's lives, 
there is a math question, but it's it's the backdrop is that there's a human being, right. and how do you actually help the math question get solved in a way that's okay for these people? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I've learned more. And I think that has a lot to do with talking to such a diverse audience at the network. Mm-hmm. That you know, if you're if you're on the air and you're talking to five million people, right. and you hear from people all the time, you get a better sense of like how is this message being received? What should I be saying differently? Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking during the pandemic, I did a whole bunch of pieces for Sunday morning. And it was a, and you know, I went out early on in the pandemic where we were at food pantries and we saw people yep. there who said, I never in my life thought I would ever be at a food pantry. And I think that there is a humanity to that, to those stories that we tell. And I think what I learned amid the pandemic is that it was amazing to see how we were all impacted, not in the same way. Nope. Nope. But we were impacted and we carried something in that in in that process and so answering the questions i think i could do with saying you know hey major well tell me what's going on what is a better way or you don't have to do all or nothing it doesn't have to be that major garrett's an awesome cbs news correspondent he's award-winning he's an author he's a brilliant podcaster and then and then he's retired like, there can be something in between, you know? Let, let us hope. Please, God. Um, and I think that's... that's voice. I do think that there is a lot to be said for giving people options mm-hmm. and to say, there's a plan A, there's a plan B, there's a plan C. You know, listen, I think, I think the first time I met you, mm-hmm. if you recall this, I don't know, do you remember where I met you? A hundred years ago. This wow. is good. Yeah. I met you at Fox. Wow. Okay. In a green room. Wow. A long, long time ago. So I was just a guest there, and okay. I was still managing my company, and you were on the air, and I do remember meeting you. And if I think back to that, that's a pre, uh, it's probably like 2006. Probably. That sounds you know, about right. Yeah. Five, five, six. And if I think back to that time, and I think about like what we thought careers might be. Exactly. I was running a company. I mm-hmm. thought I was going to keep growing the company yep. and be a, you know, a superstar investment advisor. And to think that like we both end up at this different place. Yep. You're still in the same career, but I make a move into yep. a totally different career. Yep. How scary that was. How making that kind of move was only actually possible for me because I conceived it. Mm-hmm. And right. you know, I had a, a very dear friend and I talk about her in the book mm-hmm. and you know, when I was thinking about leaving financial services and trying media full time, my friend Maureen said to me, you need a pink binder. And I'm like, uh, a what? A binder? A notebook? What are you talking about? She goes, she pulls out a three ring binder, old school, loose leaf paper, tabs. She said, okay, if you're going to like blow your whole life up, let's make a plan to figure out what's the best way to do that. And it was really instructive and it helped me think through Hey, what are the different what are the different aspects of this? Like right. I can't just leave financial services and not have a game plan. I could do the financial stuff, I could figure that out, but what are my possibilities? Let me talk to people in radio. Let me talk to people right. in television. Let me talk to people who are in publishing. And I and I really went through a very um, methodical process. And along the way, as that was all happening, and this is kind of the end of 2008, beginning of 2009, it's a, it's a financial crisis, CBS came knocking on my door and saying, you've been on our air, why don't you come join us? And I was like, nah, I don't want to. I literally said, I remember having this conversation saying, nah, I, I, I'm exhausted, I just sold my company, I don't know what I'm gonna do next. And I signed a contract three years, three weeks later, and right. I've been there ever since. So, you know, the, the idea that I did my homework 
and laid out different opportunities and really thought through these ideas and had a pink notebook. Mm -hmm. So helpful. It's like organizing your thoughts in a way that can lead you to your ultimate hopeful goal. Which I think is helpful if anyone's listening or watching, asking themselves, how do I get this started? How do I think about this? It may look externally like you took a great leap, which you did at one level. But there was lots of preparation before that leap, and that's a way to think about this strategically. Yeah, I always think like there's a plan A, there's a plan B, there's a plan C. I mean, there's a beginning part where you're like, okay, you've got to look at your resources. You've got to look at like, you know, what am I making? What money do I have? What are my obligations? What do I owe people? What do I have in reserve? How how long can I get by on nothing? Exactly. And, you know. Three months, six months, nine months, one month, two weeks. Have I talked to my partner about this? Like, I can't just make this unilateral decision. I would go to Jackie and say like hey honey what do you think is right. this going to be okay like and she's like yeah go for it you're miserable doing what you're doing right. now you know right. but my plan a b and c was best case scenario i somehow figure out how to make a living doing media full time mm-hmm. middle case scenario is you know i could sort of do it maybe i'll do some consulting in financial services maybe i'll join someone's firm and help them do media stuff and i'll still it was a fun thing for me Worst case scenario is, oh, it's a financial crisis, no one's hiring, and I'll sell something. I'll sell software, I'll sell cars. I knew that I could sell. Right. Those three things were laid out as opportunities and possibilities, and I had made a finite timeline that I said to myself, I will give myself the year. I remember the saying this. I said, it will be the year 2009 that I will make this decision. Mm-hmm. And I literally signed my contract with CBS, I think, on April 3rd of 2009. So it happened quickly, Mm -hmm. but I did a lot of prep work, and I gave myself an out because Mm -hmm. I need to know that I have options, and every one of us is heartened by options. And I think you would say to anyone listening or watching, feeling miserable is an important impulse. Honor that. Understand it if you're in that, but that's not the only reason or can't be the only reason. You know, it's very hard. Why am I feeling miserable? Right? What is it? I hate the industry. Do I hate my company? Do I hate my boss? Those are all different questions to ask. And we should ask those questions ourselves. They're hard to ask, you know, and, and sometimes you may not like the answer. Rising anxiety about chat, GPT, artificial intelligence, all of these sorts of things. What worries you most? Well, I mean, I think it's powerful and interesting. Um, I have a. By the nep- way, these are our real voices. Yeah. None of this show will be done v- via. Chat GPT. Right. Or uh, voice or, 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 enhanced or, or right. audio recognition uh, yeah. software. I mean, Though I, that I just sounded happen. like that. Yeah. I mean, we do have a tendency to sound like that. I'm going to make sure I have my accent on. Speak like Jill Schlesinger of CBS right. News. Uh, I think it has great potential. It's a little scary what it could unleash. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. Um, unnerving to me to have a lot of technology people say this is really great this is amazing it could destroy humanity like I don't think it's going to necessarily destroy humanity but I mean if you look at some of those surveys of 10% of the people who are working on these projects thinks it could really be devastating to the human race I don't really know many professions where if you had 10% they'd keep doing it right and they seem to want to keep doing it. So right. I'm concerned that... I mean, they're afraid about machine learning. They're afraid about how rapidly the machines learn, what they learn. And if the machines get really smart, they look around and say, you know, there's this invasive species that's ruining a lot of things. 
this place would all be better off without them. Yeah, or even more um, sort of. I mean, I know that's apocalyptic. Low, how about I hear low you. tech, you um, bad actors? Mm-hmm. Okay? okay, which is ChatGPT can. If you think that fraud is a problem mm-hmm. with. Um, anyone older than 80 uh, I think if you ask the vast majority of people who are 60 years old if you got a phone call and it sounded like your mother or your right. sister and they said I need or this your son or your daughter, or your son or or your daughter and I needed this that and the other thing you'd be uh, sending right. money in five and that's seconds happening. yes and so I think that there are there need to be guardrails mm-hmm. I'm concerned that um, that we have such um, bitter division in Congress yep. that they won't get their acts together to really come together and do something. But I think this needs regulation. Like, if you think that financial services needs regulation, mm-hmm. holy smokes, this needs regulation. I'm going to put something to you. If I said to you in 2007, mm-hmm. the Facebook is going to be the source of social unrest. Right. It's going to contribute to scary things happening, good things happening, and all of this will kind of create a subculture where teenagers are terribly unhappy. Right. I think that we would have thought about social media and regulation of it in a different way. Completely different. And I think that artificial intelligence will go much faster than social Mm -hmm. media. And so that's my concern. Would it be fair to say that your perspective is we can't be alarmist enough? (laughs) Uh, I think that there's no downside to being anxious about this because you could like good things can still happen. Yep. It's just that again, we need guardrails. Mm-hmm. Guardrails are good. I mean, I love that about financial services. Just I like because guardrails. You can make it doesn't mean you should make it. And just because you can make it really fast, or just because you think, well, we have to do it faster because the and Chinese one of the are doing you're worried it. about, of course, is all the money rushing in this direction. Well, I think it's the money, but I think it's also unleashing innovation is a laudable goal. But we must look at what the downsides are. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been involved in market manias before. I know what that feels like. This feels like a mania, mm-hmm. and that's the same thing where I could say to you, like, there was a mania in the 90s about something called the internet. We did not know the power of it. We didn't know which companies were going to survive, which weren't. We didn't know how it was going to develop. And I think that this, the, 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 the rapid pace of acceleration in this part of the universe is something that we should be paying attention to. It's sort of like saying, you know, it's climate change. It gets, Mm -hmm. the stakes get higher and higher the longer you wait. And I think that's the same. I think that that's an analogy for for artificial intelligence. You know, we do this on the show with some frequency. We ask three questions. I'm going to kind of make you the same three questions, but I'm going to make it slightly specific to your world. Okay. So is there a song you think about money that's a good song? Uh, uh, like a like a fun song? Like, like, like the best song about money ever or something like oh that? Oh, my gosh. The best song about money ever. So think about ever. that. Okay. Best book about money. Yep. Best movie about money. Uh, all right, I'll go backwards. Okay. I was a trader on the floor of the Commodities Exchange right. in New York. It's my first job. Um, one of my very favorite movies is Trading Places. Trading Places, Because right. it took place on the floor of the exchange, and there is actually a fantastic explanation of commodities trading <laughs> in that movie, and that is a great movie. It sort of snuck in there, but it, it's there. It's there. Um, so that's number one. Uh, there is a book... If you want to understand markets specifically, there is a great book called Reminiscence of a Stock Operator. It's by a guy who wrote under a pseudonym, Edwin Lefebvre. 
um, mm-hmm. or Jesse Livermore okay. um, was uh, the writer. And and it does give you like what Mar- it, it was written in 1923, so mm-hmm. before the crash. Right. It's a very fascinating um, look, deep dive look. Right. Um, more recently, by the way, um, there have been a lot of very interesting books that have been written in retrospect mm-hmm. about the crash. Um, in 2008 and 2009. Um, I love this guy, Adam Tooze. He's a professor at Columbia. Um, We've used him in Sunday morning pieces because he's really, he's like an economic and financial historian. Um, Now, song. You know, there there are so many bad songs about money. (laughs) So I guess I'll kind of go old school and say, when I think about the word money and I hear a lyric in my head mm-hmm. I hear cabaret because we're right. in the heart of the theater district right yes, now we are. and so I think about Alan Cummins singing money 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 from yep. cabaret in the um, in the more updated version of cabaret mm-hmm. and I think of Liza Minnelli singing yep. it in the movie and so I think like it's sort of like that kind of says it all. And, and not a Pink Floyd money person. Right. I like Pink Floyd. Not their best song. Come on. And that other song that was used at The Apprentice, not my favorite song either. Right. Okay, you can subscribe to The Takeout wherever you get this podcast, by the way. And you can also find all of our programs on any platform uh, that you like through the JillOnMoney.com website where we actually also have a YouTube channel and we have resources and we have links to buy my book, The Great Money Reset. It's all there. Just go to JillOnMoney.com and you can also get on the air live with us by just hitting that contact us button. So very easy to do. Don't forget to do something nice for someone else today. Change your work, change your wealth, change your life. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Do you know a high schooler who is a natural leader and loves to give back to their community? The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's Student Visionaries of the Year program might be the perfect opportunity. Forming strong teams to support them, Student Visionaries of the Year candidates fundraise for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. This seven-week philanthropic leadership development program helps students gain valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship. Not to mention, it looks great on college applications. But most importantly, it's a chance for students to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on the lives of blood cancer patients and their families. Learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or nominate a student at lls.org students. That's lls.org students.